reading. I'd like us to turn to the Psalm 23. This psalm has been on my heart, on my mind for some time now. And if I'm not an expert in sheep, I don't know what. <laughs> I've learned so much and, and I'm only going to touch on a few things this morning because there's so much in this, in this passage of scripture that we would be here for days. Each, each, each verse really is its own message in its own right. But I'm just going to touch on, on, on a few points this morning as we read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh God, you are in this place this morning and I'm so thankful, oh Lord. Oh Jesus, that you have given us your word, that you, oh Lord God, have provided this day our daily bread. And I pray, oh God, that you would help me to break it, oh Lord, that you would help me to distribute as if you laid it on my heart. Lord Jesus, I ask that your anointing be upon me. I ask that you speak through your vessel this morning. That it's not my word, oh God, but it's the word that has come from you. And I ask, oh Lord, that you would anoint each heart in this house to receive what you, oh Lord, have prepared for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book of Psalms is the most read book in the Bible. It is a collection of poems, songs, and hymns that offer encouragement and instruction for daily living and covers the wide range of human emotion from the lowest of low to the highest of highs. The book of Psalms has seven different authors of which David wrote 73 of them. Of the Psalms, Psalm 23 is probably the most well-known. Psalm 23 is the Psalm of David. It is believed that the psalm was written in the, la- the latter part of David's life as, it, as the manner of, in which it was written suggests a time of recollection of the keeping power of God in his life. Although the exact time frame is not known, there is speculation that this psalm was written after David's victory over Absalom's rebellion. As a young boy, David was given the task of tending his father's sheep. At the time in Israel, the vocation of a shepherd was reserved for the unskilled. Nobody wanted that job. Although it was, it, the vocation lacked prestige, David took his responsibility seriously. Sheep are high maintenance and require diligent care. Sheep do not do well on their own. They are vulnerable, defenseless, and without the intervention of the shepherd, they will fall prey to the enemy. David understood this and this reflected throughout the psalm. David writes from the perspective of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is not 
only an acknowledgement of a belief in God, but a statement of his sovereignty and authority in the writer's life. As the shepherd was in complete control over the sheep, their coming and their going, David submits himself completely to the lordship of the almighty God. It is for this reason that David can say, I shall not want. He will not lack anything. The shepherd knows what he needs. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he says in verse 24, therefore, 25, sorry, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And then in verse 31 and 32, he says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? And wherewith shall we be clothed? For these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The shepherd will provide what the sheep need. What we perceive we need and what we actually need, perhaps are difficult, too difficult for us to discern at times. But God knows. I've heard people interpret this scripture to say that I shall not want because I'll have everything I ask for. God is not a genie in a bottle that grants wishes with no regards to the consequences. When he says no, it's not because it's being mean, but rather he has the bigger picture in, in mind and he knows and he has our best interest at heart like a good father. Paul sought the Lord three times to be delivered of the thorn in his flesh. There are many opinions as to what this thorn actually was. My opinion is that Paul's thorn was the constant peril he suffered. At the time of the writing of the second epistle to the Corinthians, Paul had been whipped five times. He'd been beaten with rods three times. He'd been stoned once and been in three shipwrecks. He lived dangerously for the sake of spreading the gospel. His life was constantly in peril in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of his own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and in perils among false brethren. He suffered much weariness and painfulness and loss of sleep and hunger and thirstiness and fastings in coldness and in nakedness. Yet the Lord did not take this from him. His answer from God was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul's response was one of a surrendered life. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When David ran from Absalom, it wasn't because he was a weak father or a weak king. Treason was illegal regardless of who it was. Yet, instead of pronouncing judgment on his son and those that went with him, David fled Jerusalem. David understood that the crown did not belong to him. God gave it to him and God could take it away. Justice took it from Saul and he gave it to David. Instead, David waited on God. If it was God's will for Absalom to be king, he would not stand in the way. And he would not lay his hand on the young man. In God's timing, his will would be revealed. And this is the same attitude that we saw in David when he was running from Saul. 
Even though David had been anointed the next king of Israel, he did not believe it was his place to dispose Saul. Not every opportunity you get is of God. David had the chance to take Saul's life twice, but he refused to lay his hand upon the man that God had anointed to be king, regardless of his backslidden state. David waited on God to fulfill his will. He waited for God's timing. Paul and David willingly endured hardship that the will of the shepherd would be fulfilled. They did not want anything outside of his will. When God answered, they, ex- they accepted his will and not that, they accepted that his will would be done and not their own. When the, she- when, when the Lord is our shepherd, we accept that his will overrides our own. His purpose must be accomplished. He must increase, but I must decrease. Not my will, but thine be done. It's one thing to make Jesus Christ your saviour, but for him to be Lord requires that your life is completely surrendered to him, surrendered to his word, surrendered to his plan. We are to be led by his spirit. Romans 8 and 14 said, For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And just as sheep follow the shepherd without question, we are to follow the leading of his spirit. When, when our trust is completely in God, we will hear his voice, we will obey, and all our needs will be taken care of. John ten twenty seven says, Jesus speaking, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We will not want for any good thing. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. He knows we need a pastor, a shepherd we can see. A pastor works as an under-shepherd. He takes his instructions from God and together they tend to the needs of the sheep. This is God's plan for his people and not a man-made custom. God chose Moses to be the first pastor of his people. Moses was not only given the blueprint to establish the worship of God, but his leadership acted as a blueprint for all pastors that would come after him. God gave Moses authority. Moses used the authority given to him to set boundaries to help the people keep the commandments and the principles of God. And we see this when God told Moses to set up a barrier at the foot of the mountain so that the people would not touch the border of the mountain and die. God did not tell Moses exactly where the foot of the mountain began, but left it to Moses to determine where it was and to set the border there. Moses carefully considered his instruction and placed the barrier at a safe distance around the mountain for the safety of the people. And God honoured where Moses set that border. Pastors have been given the same authority. Where no specific instructions are given on how to fulfill a certain principle given by God, pastors have the authority to set boundaries that they consider to be an appropriate measure that the word of God would be honoured in the life of the sheep. Moses was given authority to make judgments on behalf of the people and to give counsel to the people. And as the pastor of the children of Israel, he was responsible to teach the people the word of God. He was given the authority to appoint leaders and elders to help him in this. 
Moses stood in the gap between the people and God. In many ways, our pastor does the same. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we must completely trust in him. Where he has placed us in life and who he has placed over us. If the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want anything that will distance us from our heavenly father. And we would desire that his will be done in every area of our life. If the Lord is our shepherd, we will not lack for what he desires for us. And we will not lack for the things that are essential in our life. We will not desire to possess or do something outside of him for fulfillment because everything we need is in him and provided by him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. For sheep, for sheep to lie down, they need to be at ease. They must be free from fear, free from hunger, and free from pests and parasites. Sheep are timid animals and are easily frightened by sudden loud noises. When they become nervous, they are difficult to handle. Their sense of fear is probably heightened by the fact that they have limited defenses against their predators. They are prey animals. And when faced with danger, their natural instinct is to run. After running, they will huddle together for, for protection. And we see that if you've ever watched a sheep show. They all sort of just, when they feel threatened, they all just huddle together. And this is great for the sheep that happen to be in the middle. But the sheep on the outside are still in danger. The shepherd provides protection for all the sheep. He watches over them. The sheep have no need to fear as long as the shepherd is in sight. The Hebrew word for pastures means a place, a home, a habitation. And although our mental picture we get from this verse is sheep lying in grass up to their bellies, it's actually speaking of a place of rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The shepherd keeps his sheep in perfect peace because their mind is stayed on him and they trust in him. Sheep at rest know they are safe. In the shadow of his protection, they are nourished. The Hebrew word for green refers to grass sprouts, new tender shoots, not the fully grown grass that we would mow. Our shep often shepherds who live in arid countries move their sheep to areas that look barren from a distance. But close up, there are tender tufts of grass growing between rocks where moisture has been captured. This is the kind of grass that sheep eat. The sheep never worry if they'll run out of grass. They never worry where their next meal is coming from or whether they will drink today. They know that if they follow the shepherd, they will not grow hungry and he will lead them to the still waters that would quench their thirst. It is the word still in Hebrew refers to quiet, peaceful, a place of rest. It is interesting that sheep prefer to drink still waters as opposed to waters from a moving stream. A healthy sheep is always eager to eat. Lack of appetite in a sheep is a common symptom of sickness. Are we eager for the word of God? Do we come to the house of God, our pasture, where he has placed us expecting to be fed 
and expecting to be refreshed? Do we receive the word of the Lord with gladness and readiness of mind? Do we come with an attitude that this is the word that has been prayed for me today? This is what I'm meant to digest today. We have been given the opportunity to worship together, to come away from our busy lives and be together in his presence. When sheep have their head down in a grazing position, they can see in all directions, 360. In a grazing situation, they need to see other sheep or they become stressed. Sheep require contact with other sheep. They are very social animals. And sheep become highly agitated when they are separated from the rest of the flock. They need each other. If a sheep isolates itself from the flock, it's most likely because of illness. When we come together, we come to exhort one another. We are encouraged to see each other each week. And we become a little stressed if someone's missing that we expect it to be there. We come together to be fed and to be refreshed. Yes, our individual time with the Lord is important for personal growth. If you only ate once a week, you would be undernourished and sickly. As we graze together, we are forming strong connections by the power of the Holy Ghost that works in us and through us each time we gather. If the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As we gather together to feed on the word and be refreshed by his spirit and encouraged by one another, our soul is being restored. The restoration of our soul is a process. It does not happen overnight. It takes time and speaks of relationship. Not only with the shepherd, but also with the flock. It begins at repentance, is followed through with baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We become a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It's a new way to live, a new way to think, a new path to follow that we must learn through his word. With the Holy Ghost leading us, the under-shepherd teaching us, we must yield ourselves as servants to righteousness unto holiness, for without holiness no man shall see God. Hallelujah. And when we stumble, for we will stumble, the shepherd is there with his staff to gently correct us and redirect us. He leaves the 99 in the safety of a holding pen and goes looking for the sheep that has strayed. Never far from a repentant heart, always willing to restore, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If the Lord is our shepherd, will we follow him down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? The paths of righteousness are narrow and restrictive. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life. The word straight here refers to a limited capacity. It's narrow. It's cramped. There is no wiggle room. To wander from this path leads to ruin. The word of God teaches us what is right, not what we think is right or what our culture accepts as right. 
but what God declares is right. Some things sound good. They sound right, but they're not biblical. God does not change. What God established to be right from the beginning is still right. What God considered evil in the beginning is still evil. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Colossians 2 and 8 warns us to beware lest any man spoil us through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments or the teachings of the world and not after Christ. John tells us that the sheep hear his voice and he goes before them and they follow him for they know his voice. Sheep have excellent hearing. They can amplify and pinpoint sound with their ears. They can tune in to the voice of the shepherd. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. If the Lord is our shepherd, will we hear his voice and will we, will we follow him? Will we, will we allow him to restore our soul? Here a little, there a little. Responding to the conviction of the Holy Ghost in obedience to the word of God. To walk down narrow paths of righteousness, no matter how restricted or uncomfortable to our flesh it may seem. For the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. David had complete trust in God. He had been through some very dark times in his life some as consequence of his own choices and some of no fault of his own. Yet the Lord was with him. Of no fault of his own, he was made a fugitive just because the king recognized the hand of God on his life. He could not go home. He lived in caves and he lived amongst his enemies. For approximately seven years, he was on the run, not knowing when it would end. But through these dark valleys, he found comfort in the shepherd's rod and in his staff. David himself had been equipped, equipped with a rod and a staff as a shepherd boy. He understood that these instruments were required when tending sheep. The rod was a crafted club with an enlarged knob on the end and was used as a weapon to provide safety for the flock. It looked like a walking stick, but was used on the offense to, toward to ward off predators and even robbers. The rod was simply thrown towards the predatory animal to scare it away from protecting the sheep from attack. The staff had a curved end and was used as an extension of the shepherd's arm to guide the sheep, gently correct and redirect them when they wandered from a little from the flock. It allowed the shepherd to come into the area around the animal called the flight zone. That way he could get close to the sheep without spooking it. As sheep see in all directions with their head pointed down, the shepherd was able to reach the hook around the neck of the sheep without startling it and pull the chin up and draw the sheep, the animal, back into the flock. As the rod and the staff were important tools for the shepherd to ensure the safety of the sheep, the word of God and the spirit of God work together in much the same way. Whatever we face, his word and his spirit work together to ward off our enemies, 
and to gently direct us through dark times in our life. When we can't see the hand in front of us, we know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He is with us. We can take comfort in his word. We can come into his presence and know that it will be okay. What he leads us to, he can bring us through. The darkest time of Job's life was no fault of his own. In fact, his sickness, financial loss, the loss of his children were all to prove that God did, that Job didn't serve God for the provision and protection of God, but that he served God because it was right. In the midst of his, of this trial, Job says, behold, I go forward, but he's not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I, can, that, can, that I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job didn't have the written word to take comfort in as we do. But he took comfort in the things that he knew about God. And he knew that God knew where he was. And that the trial would not last forever. When the darkness would finally disappear, Job would come forth as gold. He did not curse God and die. He recognized that, that the Lord, the shepherd, had the right to give and the right to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The provision of the shepherd knows no boundaries. If our Lord is our shepherd, if the Lord is our shepherd, there is nothing that can separate us from his love and favor, from his provision and protection. No one can pluck us out of his hand. Not even our enemies can hinder the provision and care that the love of the shepherd has for us. Even if they should kill our body, our soul is safe in him. David experienced the table in the presence of his enemies many times. When David fled from Absalom, he was met in the way by two men. The first was an enemy, Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out to curse King David and pelt the king and his company with stones and dirt. Shimei accused David of shedding blood in the household of Saul and insisted that Absalom's rebellion was punishment from God for what he did to Saul. David knew that he had never lifted a hand against Saul or his family. Saul and his sons had died in battle with the Philistines, a battle David did not even take part in. David knew the truth but did not defend himself and allowed Shimei to follow them, ranting and raving as they traveled past his town. The second man to meet David was Brazilii the Gileadite. This man blessed David and his company. Together with two friends, Brazilii helped to provide beds, basin, earthen vessels for the king and the people that were with him. They provided wheat, barley, flour, parched corn, beans, lentils, butter, honey, sheep and cheese. A table was set before David in this time of uncertainty. In a time when David was unsure of who was on his side and who was not. Surrounded by enemies, the Lord used Brazilii and his friends to set a table before David and his company to show them that the Lord was still on his side, even though it didn't look that way. 
Thou anointest my head with oil. Sheep are prone to be tormented by parasites and pests. A parasite is an organism that lives within or on a host. And sheep often host these unwanted guests. Parasite use the sheep to feed parasites feed off the sheep to fuel their life and maintain themselves. Common places for these parasites and pests to take up residence in in a sheep is the nostrils, the ears, the eyes of the sheep. Little flies are known to lay eggs in the nostrils of the sheep that once hatched, the larvae cause the sheep much torment. Sheep have no protection of their own against these pests and if left untreated can not only cause ill health in the sheep but be fatal. The shepherd would anoint the whole head of the sheep with oil, creating a barrier of protection against parasites and pests. If the Lord is our shepherd, will we allow him to anoint our head with the oil of his spirit? to kill and destroy the parasites that we have hosted in our minds since we were children. These parasites eat away at the things of God that that God is doing in us. We not only need the helmet of of salvation to guard our thoughts, but we need the oil to get rid of the lies that have been embedded themselves in our mind and that are contrary to the word of God. We need to submit our thinking to the Spirit of God and allow Him to saturate our minds and destroy the work of the enemy. This is how our mind is renewed. Like sheep, we can't do it on our own. We need the shepherd to anoint our head with oil. My cup runneth over. When we stop to consider the love, the love that the shepherd has for his sheep, And the great care that he takes to provide for us on every level, physical, spiritual, and emotional, our heart should be full of gratitude. We we are not only satisfied and content, but we are filled with abundance. David's heart overflowed with joy and gratitude for what the Lord had done in his life. If the Lord is our shepherd, we have no reason to be anxious. The, the word says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in, but in every circumstance and every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we can bring our requests before God. We can be assured that the shepherd hears us, and his peace, which passeth all understanding, shall keep our heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Understand this whatever our heart is filled with will spill over. I want my cup to run over with the Holy Ghost. If the Lord is our shepherd, thanksgiving will overflow from our cup for the abundance that he has filled us with. Even though we may not have earthly riches, the riches he fills our life with will not only supersede earthly riches, but they last forever. Joy and peace in the Holy Ghost cannot be purchased with cash, but they are the consequences of the Lord being our shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like good sheepdogs, goodness and mercy will follow behind me all the days of my life. As David looked back, he could see the goodness and mercy of God in every situation that he had encountered in his life. When Moses asked to see the glory of God, God allowed his goodness to pass in front of him. 
The Lord declared that he is gracious to whom he would be gracious and he will show mercy on those to whom he would show mercy. Moses saw the back parts of God. It is believed that it's here where Moses is shown what happened in the beginning as recorded in the book of Genesis. Interesting to note that after each day of creation, the Lord reviewed what he had accomplished and it was either good or very good. When we look back as David did, when we look back as David What have I written here? When we look back, no doubt David, as he wrote the the Psalms, could see the hand of God on his life. He could see the goodness and the mercy of God. At the time, at times we don't feel, we don't feel it, and we may not even know it, but when we stop and think in hindsight, we can see the mercy and the goodness of God. It is ever present in our lives. We may not know it today, but tomorrow when we look back, Those two dogs follow us everywhere that we go if the Lord is our shepherd. If the Lord is our shepherd, we are following him and goodness and mercy are following us. A completely surrendered life to Christ ensures that we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, there we may be also. I want you to stand this morning. If I could have a musician, please. Is the Lord our shepherd? Are we submitted to him as the Lord of our life? Can we say with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we give glory in our infirmities with Paul, that the power of Christ may rest upon us? Does the Lord Jesus have lordship in our life? When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus listed the commandments he knew the young men had kept. They were the commandments that dealt with the young man's relationship with people. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your parents. He was what we would consider a good man. But the commandments the young man had missed had had to do with placing the almighty God in a position of complete authority in his life. When Jesus said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, he was asking the young man to lay aside what he worshipped, what he'd placed before God in his life, what he loved more than God, and to follow him. That is the place, and to place God in his rightful place. Do you know his voice this morning? When Samuel first heard the voice of God, it sounded very much like Eli eager to please Samuel runs to Eli and says here I am can we hear the voice of God in the voice of our pastor do we have keen earring attributed to sheep to pinpoint the sound are we so eager to please the Lord that no valley is too dark and no path too narrow for him to lead us through are we free from fear Do we trust him completely that we can say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way, no matter how long it takes to fulfill? Are we free from hunger or has our appetite for the word of God waned? Are we free from parasites? Do we need our mind to be saturated with anointing oil to free us from thinking that is contrary to the word of God and the thinking that hinders his work in our lives? This morning, the altars are open.
Will we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and make the Lord our shepherd today? Why don't you come this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.